you know, you grow up and everything is great. And then somewhere around 25, 35, 40, it, the, the curve goes downhill and just mm-hmm. it's decline. But mm-hmm. no, I think it's much better to see it as um, that we develop and we aren't really our full selves. I mean, one of the exciting things about aging is that you get to see a human being uh, going through all the stages of life. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will excite and inspire you to share your own gifts and talents with the world. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and my brand new book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. Ever wonder what the host of Zestful Aging does when she's not podcasting? Creating one-of-a-kind earrings, of course. I've just opened an Etsy shop called Zestful Design, no S, and it showcases my fun, comfortable, and zesty polymer earrings. These earrings are fun to make and fun to wear. So check out my new shop, Zestful Design, on Etsy. And I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. Lots of muddy paws. We just came from a lovely walk. And I'm really excited about our interview today. Uh, There's a stubborn societal belief that older people are less happy than young people. After all, the young among us fit society's ideal of beauty, which of course is highly valued. How can someone who's managing health issues, has wrinkles, and uses a cane possibly be happy? Our guest today is going to talk about the older old, those 80 and above, and what we can expect in this phase of life. Catherine Esty is a best-selling author, practicing psychotherapist, and an activist for aging well. She's on a mission to dispel myths about old old age and to end ageism, which limits and undermines the most experienced among us. Her recent book, 80-somethings, a practical guide to letting go, aging well, and finding unexpected happiness, looks at the last phase phase of life and how we can make the most of it. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much. Uh, I am absolutely delighted to be with you. And oh, 
lovely fellow psychotherapist. Yes, we're, we have so many things that we uh, overlap and I think share the same mission of really realizing that there's so many possibilities now that people aren't aware of about aging and people cling to some really old stereotypes and old uh, thoughts that have been disproved. So I'm glad you've already mentioned uh, the topic of happiness because that's kind of a, one of my main We're going to delve into that. Yeah. Let me start with something that you made very clear in your book. You you say that 80 is very different than 70. And you talk about it um, several times and really make this distinction. Can you talk a little bit? Because some people might think, you know, once you're over 65, it all looks the same. But you're saying that 80 is quite different. Can you talk a little bit about how you see that? Sure. I think that um, all the research kind of lumps people together. So it's uh, natural that people kind of don't make distinctions. But I see that uh, every decade has its its, its challenges and its uh, particular crises that people fit. And today, especially, that 70 now is the new 60 or maybe the new 50. <laughs> people uh, are doing all kinds of amazing things. But I found, and, and I'll just be in open and honest uh, with your uh, you audience, I'm 87, so I can speak with, uh, the, I've been, I'm there, I am in the middle of, in fact, uh, over the middle of being in my 80s. And I think that what happens in the 80s is almost everybody uh, needs to make some transitions, and that it's those transitions, some of them interior attitudes and some exterior things, like just moving to a different place. Mm-hmm. Like move when you say moving to a different place, I know that you live in a community. I do. I, li- uh. I live in a retirement community, and most people, I think, in their eighties, either move to be closer with some of their children, move to a community, downsize from a house to a smaller place. That this is very common, more common in the eighties. Um, and then, of course, the other thing that's different is eighties do face. Uh, health issues. I was in tip-top health until just this June. I mean, I could, I could walk, I could hear, I can uh, think, I can, I had, you know, I really was doing remarkably well. People would all say, Catherine, you're walking so fast. I, 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 I was known as that person that was walking around here. Um, but I did have a major operation. And so I, like most people in their 80s, had to confront um, some uh, a major health uh issue. And I am exactly what you said. I actually now use a stick. I don't use a cane. I don't like the cane, but I have a, mm-hmm. a hiking stick. I walk around um, uh, both outside and uh, in my building here. So, and so then, and then people lose their spouses. Many more people lose a spouse in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, so the, and it's, but it is what I've learned is that uh, it's how we confront these things that, that turns out that uh I, when I turned 80, I was in a kind of a funk. I thought, I thought, oh, no, I am old. Finally, I admitted I was old. You can't deny it anymore, right? I couldn't. It, it, it's just, yep. No, you're exactly right. No more denial. And I took a hike, which I had done for 40 years, a little, a little small mountain, and I just couldn't make it to the top. So I had a kind of a coming to... Uh, aha moment where I sat on, uh. sat on a stump and said, I am old. And I kind of had to face it. And 
then I said, well, there must be some people that are doing this well. And I decided to go out and find out who was in their 80s and having fun and aging well. And I so I interviewed like 128 people all over the country of every uh, race and religion and cl class and geography. And um, I learned uh, most of the people I interviewed were leaving, leading very full lives and, and enjoying themselves. And I, that just was such a shock to me because I had been in such a funk when I had to admit I was old. And I see. So it's therapeutic for you in a sense. It was absolutely therapeutic. The more I interviewed, the more better I felt. And it got worse all. I realized I had a mission. I had a project and I decided to write a book and then I was having so much fun. And, uh, <laughs> We, my, my kids. <laughs> is there going to be a sequel? <laughs> it was so much fun. Is well, there going to be a sequel well, when you turn 90? Well, the, all the people that are 90 here in my retirement community, they keep coming up with stories and t asking me that. I don't know. A book is a big project. Mm -hmm. I'm doing, a, you know, littler projects. I'm writing blogs and articles. But, um, uh, yeah, so I don't know about a book. And, um uh, so was, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, I'm actually moving toward looking at uh, over 70s now. I'm writing a lot about both 70s and 80s, uh, but what is uh, trying to kind of uh, redo people's um, uh, belief systems. Uh, and and the, the first one is that this idea that uh, old people aren't happy because certainly the 128 people I did have about uh, eight or nine that were miserable and complainers and so on. But the great majority um, are th so surprised, first, that they're still here in their 80s, and mm -hmm. second of all, that they're having so much fun and that they're... <laughs> so it's, it's different than what people think. And the reason... You know, oh, I'm sorry. I was I interviewed Jonathan Rausch, who, who wrote the, the Happiness Curve, and he his research also found um, a, a similar things. And in fact, the Middle Ages were really tough for people when they're raising kids, trying to put some food on the table, doing their jobs, you know, maintaining the home and paying the mortgage. In fact, what his research found was that that's really a tough time and people... Um, feel like they should be happy and they feel bad that they're not happy. So it's really kind of turned it on its head. Sounds yeah, like what, absolutely. What and that happiness curve is true. And then there's a lot of research coming out of Stanford. There's a place, a center for longevity and they, uh, a woman named Carstensen, and she's just got all kinds of research showing that uh, people get happier and uh, and that, but also that they don't expect to. They, you know, if you ask them and they all think it's going to be um, just sheer misery, decline, sickness, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so, uh, but there's other good news too. I mean, which people, a lot of people don't know. And uh, one of them is that all the stuff that has happened about the brain that I grew up thinking, uh, and I think we were all told that every day if you had a drink, you'd lose brain cells and you kind of expected by the time you're 80, you'd have ha you're an empty head with no cells left. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that the new research, uh, we can find that the brain is absolutely amazing. It's, it's self-healing and that uh, it can heal itself from depression, from all kinds of things. 
and that whatever we thought we could, you know, the old saying, "Don't you can't teach an old dog new tricks." And that's absolutely not true. That old people can, uh, older people can learn up to the very last days. They may be a little slower, especially on technology, but they can learn if they. And uh, so that the possibilities that you, we shouldn't look at life like a. I think most people have in their mind that you, you know, you grow up and everything is great, and then somewhere around. 25, 35, 40, it, the, the curve goes downhill and just mm-hmm. it's decline. But mm-hmm. no, I think it's much better to see it as um, that we develop and we aren't really our full selves. I mean, one of the exciting things about aging is that you get to see a human being uh, going through all the stages of life and they can all develop and you can develop into more happiness. I think I definitely have, this is the happiest decade as, a, I, I, no decade was much more happy, put it that way. Mm. I've had other. Oh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. I'm wondering how learning, doing your research, writing the book, learning all of these uh, interesting uh ideas about aging has had an impact on your psychotherapy practice. Well, that's interesting. I finally, um, uh, it, it impacted me. Uh, it uh, has impacted my uh, practice in the sense that I've gotten so interested in this aging work and my mission with aging and my writing. And I'm doing, uh, you know, some promotion of books and talks and things like that, that I finally decided uh, after uh you know, 40 years of uh, being in uh, psychotherapy practice to close down. So I'm right now in the process of retiring. Uh-huh. So, so that, uh, but I've been, you know, having a, a full schedule until uh, just this summer. Um, so by November, uh, I plan to be, I will have uh, ended all my psychotherapy and then, but I'm really it's what I've always had is two two or three careers going simultaneously because <laughs> I always had four kids and and I sometimes I was go, I had a I always had a job and uh, and then I had and then I had a, a private practice and so um, uh, now I'm just planning to uh, just concentrate on the writing uh, for the next stage. Mm-hmm. So that's one of your transitions. Right. I'm in transition, definitely in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a, because I've waited so long, you know, I can remember I went to a, a financial advisor when I was about 30 and uh, he said to me, well, when do you plan to retire? And he asked my husband first. My husband said when he was 65. And I said, well, when I'm 85. And I, <laughs> I think I knew myself. I had... Uh, I love work, and I have found it just absolutely rewarding. So uh, it's been a pleasure. But now it feels like the apple has dropped. It's the right time. But it doesn't feel uh, painful because it feels like, you know, I've have, I've kind of, it's I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, You've graduated. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is sponsored by Kindra. Kindra is a self-care company that makes estrogen-free essentials designed by women for women to support people who experience the hormonal changes of menopause. Their line of menopause essentials includes a daily vaginal lotion that dramatically relieves vaginal dryness and three daily supplements all thoughtfully designed to target and relieve the symptoms of menopause, including hot flashes, brain fog, mood swings, and more. 
Each of these products is backed with years of research and development to identify the most potent and effective formulations. Visit our Kindra, O-U-R-K-I-N-D-R-A dot com. Using code ZESTFUL20 for 20% off your first purchase. And I'd love to hear how it works for you. The other thing, a couple more things about it that I think a lot of, I found a lot of people aren't aware of is that uh, the mental health of uh, people in their 80s uh, is better than younger people. That, you know, if you see somebody that's depressed, it's not because they're 80, it's because they've got something else going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, um, like this... uh, Center for uh, Longevity f- has found that people in their 70s and 80s have l- uh, have much better management of negative emotions. They are less angry. They're less uh, anxious. Uh, you know, you don't see, and like in my private practice, whether you have a 75-year-old couple or an 80-year-old couple, they're not throwing things at each other. Mm-hmm. People, Expectations are quite different. Yeah, people mellow out. And, kind mm-hmm. of, and, they, mm-hmm. and they kind of, uh, so that, that and people can look forward to having some of the uh, sharp edges kind of wearing off and, and being able to have uh, pleasanter and easier relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes, that I'm sure that sounds very um, appealing to people who are really struggling right now. And I know I've seen, you know, uh, uh, Nicole, that you were aware that so much of this is attitude, too, that it's that even research says that if you have a positive mm-hmm. attitude about aging, you can add 7.5 years to your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you did you find or, or do you know of people who kind of made a turnaround um, later in life and and realized they needed to change their attitude? I think people do change their attitude, you know, whether they, uh, it happens gradually. I think as people age, that uh, they, you know, I think that what makes for happiness is to have to be able to grieve if the kind of losses you have, but also mm-hmm. to be able to have the attitude to pay attention to what you still have. And uh, for mm-hmm. instance, I have a new I have a new boyfriend, so that's <laughs> that's been. Tell us about that, Catherine. How did that come about? Well, you know, my husband died in uh, 2015, and uh, I was in a, in a support group with a couple of people that whose spouses were also sick and not doing well, and we all just met and sort of cried together. And over the years, a couple of years in that group, uh, all of the spouses died. And one of the uh, men in the group, uh, Peter, was, you know, I'd gotten to know him so well, and we'd, you know, each lost our spouses. And and then we started uh, getting, having dinner, and then we were finding ourselves having dinner every night. And then Mm -hmm. gradually in the pandemic, we moved in together. Oh, my goodness. So you're, he's also in the same community? He is. And, Mm -hmm. And um, so it was, a you know, and I, he had a career very similar to my husband's and he, you know, he's, uh, so it's a very, been a very easy um, transition for me and, and a lucky one. Um, so uh, that's been particularly made my last couple of years uh, very joyful. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that's um, something that's fairly typical is that people find love? 
in their 80s? Well, I think especially in a retirement community because people are constantly moving in. And, you know, mm-hmm. we went uh, just for my uh, story about this, that people it's kind of are here are watching for it all the time. And they get enormous pleasure out of other people's new romances. So, <laughs> so that, you know, Peter and I used to have dinner together. But one night we went to a dance and we uh, kind of just were there. And suddenly we realized the next day, uh, two different people called us, called me up and said, could you and Peter come for dinner? In other words, we became a couple overnight. <laughs> they, they only had to see us dance together to, oh ass- my goodness. to assume we were a couple. And um, uh-huh. so I think, but other people do, there's lots of, uh, you know, uh, people that get have dinner together and, and sometimes it's a romance. People don't get married usually, but uh, they at this age. But they uh, and they sometimes don't live together. But uh, it was a blessing in the pandemic for me to have a partner to spend the time with. Mm, I I imagine. Do you have any advice for people who are, let's say, post-middle age, let's say something like, you know, over 50? Do you have any advice as they're sort of thinking about their futures and how they might start kind of preparing for a happier future? Well, you know, I think the one thing I've got a couple of things there that I'd like to say. But the first is, I think, you know, our culture has taught people that, life is for the young and beautiful. And I think it's that is so damaging, you know, that I often uh, see, and I have come to see the beauty in older people that have had the chance to live these long lives and become wise. And But it takes eyes to see the beauty. I, I often talk about um, the Japanese art of kintsugi, which is where they take like a broken pottery bowl and the Japanese put it together with kind of a gold filter and you can just uh, so that in the pot after it's put back together uh, looks completely different you have all these golden uh, pathways all over the the bowl and I see that that they think that that broken bowl restored with the gold is more beautiful than the original. Mm. And I think there's something to old age, too. We have new hips and new knees <laughs> and new cataracts, and um, mm. and we have, uh, you know, all these uh, hearts, pacemakers. We've got such a benefit of modern medicine and that we're able to be uh, fully active or we're pain-free and that we're like those bowls that we're more even more beautiful than we were you know there's something about uh, an older person that is at peace that is just lovely um and that it all ta- it just takes eyes to see the beauty and uh, yeah. but i think for the people i know you know you do a lot of work with people around issues of uh, body issues and i think mm-hmm. So that the advice and the thoughts I have is that that's one of the places to kind of uh, realize, uh, to start to be able to see that it's character that you can see, and and uh, mm-hmm. and and that by anybody over thirty, it really I think the inside, the way you are inside, begins to show, and you mm-hmm. and it's a new kind of beauty. So, but then of course, I think the other thing I've been writing and thinking about is it does help to have a, a meaning, a, a project, a, a mission. That, uh, that mm-hmm. and so like a purpose, a purpose. You're finding your purpose when you're older, and I think that's where people can be helped by um, uh, 
you know, workshops and things like that to help them think through. And because I think to just, uh, you know, it's too long if you're retired, which many people do at, say, 60 or 65. And just mm-hmm. you can't just, a lot of life left. There's a lot of life, and you wanted, and I think that's the big thing. How what are you going to do with your life? And you, people need some help, I think, often. And uh, so it's good to have people like yourself around. I'm, I'm, and uh, so it really ties in. Is it like the next stage? It's not psychotherapy, but it is um, uh, helping other people to learn about the possibilities. And uh, mm-hmm. That's become your purpose, and it sounds like it's uh, got multiple benefits. It's also been helping you see things differently. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think, uh, so that, that's part of what I, and I also think uh, that, you know, people need to get awareness about the health, uh, that I think that's what people get very sad about if they, you know, if they suddenly need a hearing aid or they need to, you know, their feet, they need uh, need to use a cane. Um, and I think if you can be realistic and kind of a, uh, there's a, some skills that many people don't have, which is to let go of these kinds of things, to grieve them, but then not focus on them and to move on and focus on what you do have. So I think what many people skip is our culture doesn't teach us how to grieve and then you know, we grieve when maybe someone dies but like for me i having to uh, when i was first out of the hospital this summer i was told to go on a walker and i thought me uh-huh. on a walker oh no i can't stand it and you know it was it took a lot of inner psychological work to make my peace with it and, uh-huh. and then finally now i don't have I, mean, I, I graduated i've done a lot of pt and i don't need it uh, but for many people, uh, they do need uh, uh, help, and they need to kind of make their peace with uh, mm-hmm. well, that acceptance. The that's, acceptance that can be very tough. It can be very tough, mm-hmm. and, and yet, you know, if you there's so many role models now. I mean, I and, and that's what's in my book. You know, I um, uh, felt people need to know about these people, and I found people doing just the most amazing things. I mean, we hear about sometimes people running the marathons, but there were, I mean, I met this wonderful woman that used to uh, take her grandchildren on camping trips, and she learned uh, to fly a plane in her <laughs> 70s. And, oh, wow. And she uh, you, well, you just uh, began to be a photographer. I mean, I think it's seeing that uh, sometimes when you don't have the uh, busy things that we were talking about when you're in your 40s and 50s with family responsibilities, it, there's time to do some things you never thought you would do. I mean, right now, I'm since this summer, I'm doing a couple of new things. I've just started a Tai Chi class, which I'm enjoying, and a, a dance class. Um, and I'm also taking a course on the Supreme Court. So, you know, oh, wow. which I just did this morning. We have somebody here who taught constitutional law. And um, so um, there's something to being always having a beginner's mind and uh, taking on some new things. That sounds like freedom. Yeah. And then one another thing in the book that I talk about is that, um, you know, people don't know about these transitions that, you know, we were mentioning earlier in the interview and they don't, they're bewildered by aging and they really still dread aging. And my book is kind of a, a, a shortcut to 
helping people get gain a more upbeat attitude. And I wrote it with um, two kinds of uh, audiences in mind. Uh, people my age, the 80-somethings who are curious about what other people are doing, uh, what are they? How are they faring? What are they? What makes them tick? And how how is it working? But also their children, their adult children, and um, that are bewildered by their parents. They need. They sometimes they, there's not good conversation between the generations and um, the kids. These adult kids who are in often fifties and sixties are trying to be helpful, but they sometimes, during the pandemic especially, they got very bossy. We're telling their parents <laughs> when to, what they could do. You can't go to stores. You can't do this. Oh. And they didn't have any sense of how to have a, a relationship with this person who's at a new stage and when you move in, when do you say, no, no, mom, you really can't drive any longer. And how did yeah. you do that? When are you, they, that needs to be done. And how do you... Um, so that there's a, a lot between the generations that, uh, as I said, I think there's a uh, sense of that this is an uncharted territory that nobody has been there. No, when you turn, uh, become older, you've never been there before, mm-hmm. and, and, and so we're all kind of uh, learning and struggling. Um, and the kids need help, um, these adult kids, as much as the uh, people that are aging. I see. Yeah. That, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Catherine, how can people find out more about you and and your book, uh, 80-somethings? Where's a good place to get more information? Well, they, there's two places. They could go to my website, which is just Catherine SD, mm-hmm. all one word, but with a capital E for SD.com, CatherineSD.com, and they can get my blog and see profiles of me and what I've been up to over these last uh 10 years since I've been really focusing on the uh, aging. Uh, but they can also just go to Amazon and there's reviews of my book and the book's right up there. And uh, I know some people um, feel are not be f- friends of Amazon, but it's an easy and quick way to mm-hmm. to get the book. And um, Understood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just to uh, clarify, it's S-T-E-S. T-Y for our listeners. And the Catherine is spelled, for those that want to go to the website, mm-hmm. my Catherine is also a tricky spelling. It's K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's a different spelling of Catherine, but it's me and Catherine Hepburn. So Aha, not good many, company. Good company. And there aren't she many of us. As, she aged well. She did age <laughs> In well. In her own right. She was a, and she was a beauty. She certainly was. Well, Catherine, I really appreciate uh, sharing your view from from 87. I think it's so helpful to kind of put the humanity back in this whole question of, you know, who are we as we age? And that, um, you know, ageism is something that we're all fighting uh, from an early age. Right. And, oh, yes. Um, I mean, when people get, you know, people are shocked when they get put on lists of, or, you know, or people that are 39, or it's called an, an uh, old uh, elderly uh, pregnancy, you know, if they get, and so on. We're constantly being boxed in and, and uh, told. But uh, we need to also redefine it. So being uh, that there isn't such a, uh, stereotype of mm-hmm. decline around the aging and um, 
So it's, uh, but it's a task for each person, you know, I, I think it, it does help to know some people, to have some role models, um, because uh, it, it, you don't want to be uh, doing this alone, and it takes uh, some un- understanding and work. So, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, I was changed by writing my book, which is interesting, but other people have told me they're changed too. I mean, one woman told me that, you know, she was just, was uh, she was about 50, and she was fighting with her mother all the time. It was not a... Uh, uh, easy relationship, and she read the book, and she said, "She I said, Catherine, I got to tell you that really helped me, and I suddenly understand her, and, and I've got so much more patience, and I'm it, it really was wow. That's what a and that's what a therapist likes to hear too. So you were doing great therapeutic work. Thank you so much for your time and your uh, your insight. And I uh, uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Oh, well, I've loved being here. It was uh, fun for me, too. And I always like to talk about the possibilities of aging well. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.